The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Hey guys, guns up, giddy up. Welcome to Failure to Stop, the number one show where police meet society and culture. Uh, and on Tuesday nights, a little bit of true crime. So hope you guys are doing good. Josh, you here with me? Ooh, I'm here. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. Good. What's my hair doing though? Good. I see everybody's in the chats, kind of chit-chatting it up. I hope you guys are having a good week so far. We're we're just fresh into it. How's yours been go going? Yeah, sorry, just ignore me right now. I it's been an amazing. It's it's not nearly been as cool or crazy as our boss's Eric's week earlier. Oh this yeah, week, yesterday he he became a father again for like the ninetieth time. Yeah, I thought it was like eighty seven, but it's close. They got a school bus instead of a, a minivan now. But yeah, she yeah. gave birth and uh, healthy healthy little girl, Birdie yeah. Virginia Tansy. Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to them. She's beautiful. Um, hey everybody, hey Falk and Davey and Abby. Um, if you guys are just listening, we have we do always have people in the chats, and that's a lot of fun. We like to engage and chit chat with them uh, where we can. But tonight we have a super cool guest. So we've got Matt Klein, who we will talk all about it and send you his links and talk about everything he's done. Um, but I'm really pumped about this. We've been in a little bit of communication this week, and I think you guys are in for a treat with him for sure. So uh, if you guys have been listening lately on the Tuesday night crime show, we usually like to go back to like the decade or the specific year that the crime that we are covering took place and do a little pop culture references. But this one is actually uh, we're going to talk to Matt about his history and his work history, and it's going to span a number of years uh, and highlight a few different types of cases. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about the other side of crime tonight. That's how I was talking about it on Instagram, on the Andrea Uplate page, because Matt went from, uh, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about it, but he's vet turned former NYPD detective turned forensic artist. So these composite sketches that he's done are incredible. And he is now retired and has his own shop where he sells super, super cool t-shirts and stickers and magnets in his arts awesome. So uh, can't wait for him to tell you about it. But we're going to talk about when I say the other side of crime, what that looks like from his perspective versus the cases that I generally present to you and how how those two can come together. So we'll get on the ball with that here in a moment. Uh, there's not really a lot of updates in the cases that we've covered. I did see again, I feel like every week somehow I'm bringing up Dylan rounds again. But I did see that James uh, Brenner, the guy who was actually charged with his murder, again, remember, they've not found Dylan's body, but they did, this is from his mother on the uh, Facebook page, they have one called Justice for Dylan Rounds, and his mother, Candace, just said that there was a hearing update as of yesterday. Uh, James Brenner did have a hearing yesterday, and a continuance was issued, and a new hearing will be scheduled for October. So she just talks about, you know, a bit of frustration mounting as they move forward with this um, and they're doing everything they can to continue on with trying to find Dylan. Um, so I have nothing. Do you have anything you want to add pop culture wise or? No, it's been a crazy week. Every time something comes out with the Bidens, Trump gets indicted. So there, there's that that's going on as as par for the course. But yeah, it's just, it's just just regular news, the uh, news craziness. Uh, Maui, my heart goes out to all my uh, family out there. Oh, my Maui. Out there. Goodness. Uh, we'll go to, I'll probably go into a little bit more on, on Last Call Tomorrow, but I've, I've got my best friend in the entire world. I went to Fletzy with him. Like we've, we've shed blood together. So he's okay. Maui born and raised. And he, the things that he are telling me that a lot of stuff, I, I'm just, I'm not able to repeat it. It's, that that graphic besides that the disheartening stuff about hearing yeah. that the government's turning turning aid away turning well, food away and actually i think we should talk away. about that tonight when the show when we're yep. done with this portion of the show i do want you to actually get into it you don't have to wait until tomorrow um but it is incredible and in it in the most terrible kind of way so i definitely yep. want to touch on touch on that and talk about it um so our thoughts and prayers are definitely with yep. with that entire area at this point um, so I guess without further ado, let's go on and get 
get Matt on. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, Matt. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys, if you want to find Matt, and we will talk about it multiple times throughout uh, tonight, but if you want to find him on Instagram, he's actually under the handle Matt Render. Rendar, Render, always say it like that. <laughs> M-A-T-T-R-E-N-D-A-R. Uh, and so that's his handle on Instagram. You can find him there and a link to his shop, which again, we'll be, uh, we'll be chit-chatting about. So it looks like people in the chats are already starting to ask questions about you and, and have questions for me to ask you. So let's, uh, let's get on started. Why don't you go on by telling me a little bit about, about your career, just kind of how you got started early on, kind of your background, and then we'll, we'll lead up to what we'll be talking about tonight. All right. So, um, real base, base with me, I uh, just going, going way back. Um, I grew up art family. My dad was an animator, Walt Disney artist. So I always had that artistic DNA in me somewhere, but I never thought it was ever going to be a, like a profession or a job. You know, I saw my dad, it was always peace and famine in the art world, you know, the starving artist. So, um, nine 11 happens. I joined the military. My grandfather was a world war II veteran fought in the Philippines and Okinawa and stuff as a pilot. And um, so I remember him telling me, you know, Pearl Harbor and uh -huh. they signed up. So and at that time in my life, I wasn't really doing anything. And 9-11 uh, was kind of a Pearl Harbor to me. And most signed up, did um, went in the Army, served in a 3rd Infantry Division down in Georgia, did two tours in Iraq. During the during in between my tours, the NYPD actually sent recruiters down to Georgia and gave out the NYPD test. And one of my friends, thank God I listened to him was oh, like, wow. yeah, really like in Georgia. So I'm like, yeah, he's like, they're giving out the, the test at the officer's club. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll take it when I get out. I was like, no, no, we need to go now. So we went. Well, did they me. just, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did they just want yeah. like infantry guys or like your like battalion, like that type no, of guy or what, like whole, why Georgia? So I was at, no, I, I guess they were going to all the bases. So they came, uh -huh. to Fort, they came to Fort Stewart and they just gave out the test. They went to the officer's club. And um, it was a big room, maybe like, I don't know, like 200 people. And they had all desks. And then a bunch of polo, NYPD polo wearing guys came up. Hey, we're from recruiting. You know, we're looking for military guys. We'll like I've guys... been recruited already. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you're going to take a police test. We'll give you five points because you guys are all military. When you get their score results back, you go to your CO, you get him to sign a deferment letter. And then the day you ETS, you get out of the military, you just give us a call and we'll start your investigation. So I was like, all right. So I took the test. I got it. I got my CO to sign it. My CO's like, you want to be a cop? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I, we'll see. You know, I'll leave the options open. So I went to Iraq. My second tour came out. And um, I ETS in April of 06. Literally, I-95 driving up from Georgia back to New York. I called. I uh, got an investigator. I started the, the investigation processing three days later. And I was in the academy in three months. So in July of 06, I went right into the police academy. Like, oh, didn't even skip a beat. Which is awesome. Because, you know, very fortunate. I know a lot of people that got out and had to wait like a year or two to get in, but like right. I went in like right away I was in. Oh, wow. Okay. So then, so you get in and what did you, how did you move up through the ranks like that once you got on with NYPD? So I, um, so I became a, a, a police officer. What happens is um, you get like a wish list where you want to work the different boroughs. You have Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn. So I okay. picked boroughs that were closer to where I lived and stuff. And then there was, there's three big, um, departments in the NYPD. You have patrol, which is all the 911 calls. Then you have um, transit, which is all the transit systems. And then you have housing, which are like all the public housing. Uh, they have cops that are dedicated to that. So I put in, I wanted patrol and, and then I put in for tra uh, transit. So I ended up getting um, Queens. So I was a cop in Far Rockaway, the 101 precinct. And okay. um, I worked there for eight years. So um you know, like it, the great thing is the NYPD is so many different units. So I was just a regular beat officer. I did midnights. And I ended up doing like conditions, which would handle like um, like street narcotics. Um, they would okay. do whatever the conditions were going on. So I was kind of like early on, I was kind of like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Maybe emergency service, you know, maybe something else, you know, like the SWAT, the NYPD SWAT. But um, in 2011, uh, a door opened, which was really cool. I was um, one of my friends who I was in Iraq with became a cop he um he called me up one day and he's like oh Yo, you want to do an interview with tom brokaw on the intrepid for american movie classics i was like yeah absolutely sign me up so i, I go there tom brokaw. really cool great gentleman had a great time we did the interview but when i was there there was a lot of like higher up nypd higher ups and one guy approached me and he's like i heard you could draw really good he's like your friend's talking you up over there i was like all right i'm like yeah, yeah you know i could draw because throughout 
my high school and military and up until now, even though I never thought it was a career path, I still drew mm -hmm. for fun. Okay. So, so he's like, I'm actually friends with the senior sketch artist at, over at police headquarters. I'm like, sketch artist? He's like, yeah, there's three guys that sit in a room and do all the forensic sketches and stuff. I'm like, get out of here. He's like, here's his number. I'll call him ahead. You give him a call. So I went in there. They're like, yeah, come on down. I came in. I came in on my day off. And the guy's like, you know, this could be a day of work. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to see nope. what this is. I need to come here, you know, right away. So I went there. I showed him my little portfolio, which wasn't great, you know, because I never went to college for it. You know, a lot of that stuff, the higher education would have prepared me for like with a better portfolio. So he's like, all right, you know, your stuff's okay. You know, um, you have to take the test. I'm like, all right. So he scheduled me. I came in and I took the test and the test was like legit. There's a four part feat. You have to draw like a picture of a person. You have to draw a person blind. You have to draw a person using different pieces of photos to put together somebody. Various things. You have to interview somebody. Okay. Right? So that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to interrupt, but that's something that I had not even considered yet. The interview process for that type of a yeah. job. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So you have what would so, equate to kind of a real life circumstance yeah. where someone's describing so, people. Okay. Yep. So I'll, I'll break it down the test. It's, it was pretty interesting. Um, that's the thing too, is like, you know, there's a lot of jobs in the world. You can kind of like, you know, do you use car salesman pitch and try to get it? Like that yeah. is like, you need that to be fired on cylinders because you have to draw, you have to draw like in a speedy amount of time, you know, like two hours, whatever. Like you can't be sitting there working on a Van Gogh for 20 hours with a victim right. who has been horribly raped. So the test that I took at the time, they might've changed it. But um, the test I took was the first year to draw a person, no problem. Even that I was sweating because like, if you don't, if, if they drew you a photo, it doesn't look like the person you, you're done. And, right. And, well, and, and like, you had been doing it for fun, right? I mean, yeah. all of your work was for your own like catharsis or whatever, right? Yeah. So a hundred percent. So what I did was, um, and I was sweating. I remember I was like, oh my God. It was like the NYPD was huge at the time, like 33,000 people. There's a lot of talent. Dang. There's a lot of competitive talent in there. But only know, like, three, but only three artists. Three sketch artists. So you do the first drawing. The second drawing is you use mug shots. Most of the work that we do are composite sketches. We use mug shots from different uh, perps from the the uh, the 80s and 70s like we know they're not in the system anymore and they don't look the same so it's all okay. broken up by ace and uh was the age and race so okay. they give you a couple of pictures you put them together and you have to make it a, a person and present it to them and they make sure that you have all the proportions correctly the third part is the test giver has a photograph of a, a perp and you can ask, you can't look at him. You have to ask him any questions you want. And then you have to draw from your mind what he looks like. And then they flip it around to see if they look close. You know, if they okay. look off. Okay. Let me ask you that then. So either in the interview portion or once you have secured the job and you're actually working as an artist, do you work more when you, for your sketches, another thing I had not thought about, of course, a witness would be in theory giving you uh, the details that they can remember um, yeah. as correctly as they can. But how much do you find of your job is you asking the right questions versus their recollection? Um, it's 50, 50. It's, it's cooperative. Uh, but you, but that, that's a part of the, so like during the invest, the, the um, interview process, they're making sure you have those personal uh, skills. You can have a rapport uh -huh. with the person because if you're like a wacko weirdo or like very introverted and, a person that's a victim of a horrible crime is not going to open up to you. And if they right. don't open up to you, they might miss a crucial detail. Like a guy has a scar or he was doing this or that, like, yeah. or they might not want to give you the information. Maybe you're like re-victimizing them just by the way you talk to them. So like the interview process is like very important, you know, like, you know, there's some really good artists that wouldn't be able to, in my opinion, wouldn't be able to, you know, branch to the other side. That's where the whole detective right. skills come from. Exactly. So how much do you find that um, before we get into like more specific incidences yeah. that you had and, and sketches that you drew, um, just generally speaking, how often is it that a witness, a victim will will come back later, let's say 48 hours later, 72 hours later and say, oh, I forgot. Actually, there you know, was a dangly earring in the left ear or oh, I forgot that his right eyebrow was shaved or whatever. Do they come back to you with, no, with details no, later? No, honestly not because okay. um, we were like, we were kind of like the final step. Like once okay. everything's exhausted, they came, came to us. And also too, I mean, there's been a couple people, it's not our business to determine if they're lying or they really didn't see the person. We just, right. we do, we can give them kind of like an idea to the, the case detective, what we think, but my job is draw what they say. But um, 
also too the thing too the detectives are really good is they, they're not bringing in a case that they think is you know somebody like you know lying most of the time you know right so well and i didn't even mean i didn't even mean lying so much as it you know just with time memory changing or focusing and remembering something they forgot to tell you before you yeah. know and if and if that was the case do you use it because memory is fallible you know so yeah usually we just stick with what we we get right out the, the initial yeah, yeah. That's fair. Okay, so you go through the interview process. How long does that take? You said it was three steps or three parts. <laughs> it, was four, it, was yeah, it? it was actually four. So oh, okay. I, I do it. They were impressed. Like I, the senior guy, awesome detective. He's like, he was a first grader. He was like, yo, you did a really good job, kid. You got a lot of talent. Unfortunately, there's only three of us, and you have to wait for me to retire. So that was 2011. So I go, so I go back to my command, and I'm just waiting, waiting for um for the phone call. So. He was going to retire in like 2013. And if I'm like, I was, uh, I'll, I'll be honestly, I'm going to admit live, I was probably going to assassinate him just to get his position. <laughs> so he was going to retire he, early. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Great guy. So finally, yeah, he finally retired. Also, another thing too is if somebody comes along in that time period, so that was like four years before he retired, if they took the test and were better than me and outshined me and did everything with I would have gotten asked out of the position, you know, rightfully so. So very competitive. So I was crossing my fingers. So the day he retired, I think it was in the end of 2014, and they ended up picking me up. I got a call and assigned to them in 2015. They made the phone calls and I was uh, transferred there permanently. So nice. big day. I was doing cartwheels. It was a big day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. That's so cool. So so then, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. What did that look like when you kind of got up and on your feet and off and running as as an artist? I mean, did you have some what? OK, let me ask you this. What are you doing? Are you still continuing to work as a detective or as whatever your role is separately when you don't have a sketch? Uh, no, full time. I mean, we would do details and different stuff like that you know, like parades and any, and like, and like sure. when, the, when the riots were going out, I was out there with my helmet and my little bat, you know, mm -hmm. get back, get back. But, um, full-time artist, you know, just, okay. you know, and, and if I didn't have a case, I was honing the craft, you know, working on or looking up stuff and, um, you know, following yeah. the news and stuff. Like there was a lot of times if I saw something, um, like in the news, like a body would wash up. I'd give a call, a courtesy call. Hey, how you doing? Did you identify him? No, give me a call. I'm like, oh crap, I didn't even think about you. Because a lot of people have forgotten. Even me as a cop didn't know anything about sketch artists. Well, and, you said um, there were only three of you. You guys, did you hear that? Yeah. You said there was three to what, 33,000 yeah. employed at the time? Yep. yep. Yeah, okay. So, like wow. nation, nation, when I first actually got to the unit, they gave me a list. They're like, this is every artist in America. And it was like less than 100 people. And I'd say about 25% of them were civilian and the other rest were uniformed. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. But as soon as I got there, I started doing on-the-job training. Okay. We did a lot of different FBI exercises. The FBI actually used to have a um, uh, forensic artist class. I don't, they've, they've, they don't have it anymore. But um, all these different scenarios, like draw this person. One scenario, I'll give you an example, is they're like, draw this person from security camera footage. And the security camera footage is from a bank and it's all different angles. And the guy has, okay. and they're like, he doesn't have a big nose. He doesn't have a mustache. He's wearing a disguise. So you have to kind of look at the photos, think of what, what he might look like under there and, and do the best you can draw it. And then they show you what he really looks like. All different, you know, creative, um, you know, problem solving things that I learned. And then I just, I hit the ground running about three months later. The other two artists were on vacation and they're like, you're on your own for two weeks and that was it the cases started coming in and i started hitting them you know that's crazy so how do they determine who is the artist let's <laughs> say between the three of you for the case or do you just take turns taking cases um it depends in the beginning it was kind of just like whatever came in but then at the end they, they started making a rotation you know okay they, they want everybody to get like one person getting like all the big capers and stuff but, right um there was a time when i was like getting all the home runs like all the big you know because like as a detective, you want to work on big cases. So I was very fortunate. A bunch came my way and it was um, pretty rewarding. Yeah, I, mean, I, I bet. Um, so let's see here. I had a few questions, but I think you're, I mean, you're just kind of answering them before I even ask, which is perfect because you guys, you know that I, I tell a case, I don't ask questions. I don't really, I'm not an interviewer here. Um, so did you find, and then I want you to, if you will, kind of go into like some of the pictures we have just to show and, yeah. and talk about some of the more specific cases, but did you, 
realize like being on that side of things, um, be it the artwork and the way you worked with victims that way, uh, or guys, what we're going to talk about too, the part that I actually find the most intriguing is, is not necessarily the sketches of the suspects. It's the work that he's done to identify victims, because, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about plenty of cases where victims are not identified. And, you know, even most recently with the Long Island serial killer, right, we, we still have um, a couple of unidentified victims there. And there, there were a ton, you know, that they were able to with the 23andMe and different things like that. We've been able to identify over years, but there are a couple that we haven't been able to. Now, that's different at this point. We know it's just, you know, it's bones. There's nothing to go off of in that sense. However, um, there are cases where we have uh, bodies and, and, and no one claims them. Unfortunately, that does happen. And in those situations, um, to offer a rendering can, can bring families forward because maybe they didn't even know this person was missing. Maybe they went off to live their life elsewhere and do whatever and, and didn't know that anything bad had happened to them. So I definitely want to get into that part, but yeah, so I guess I do want to ask like how you, how that might've changed your perspective on cases being in the artist role rather than like detective or, you know, cop role. Yeah. In that sense. Um, no, I mean, it was really rewarding to be like that one piece of the puzzle, you know, like, and it's it, a lot of these cases at Comicite, like one of these big cases I did, it's like, there's so many people involved, but being like a crucial little piece, I'd bring as much of my A game to it to help, you know, the mm -hmm. detectives in the field. And um, it was just really rewarding. But yeah, I, yeah. I did a lot of, um, you know, DOA um deceased people you know re reconstruction to help you know bring people to help to identify them and stuff and really like horrific cases and then they bring the photos in and i have to figure out you know how to put them back together and stuff but um it was you know very cool being like you know helping out on these cases so okay i guess the nurse and me kind of geeks out on this a little bit <clears throat> but like how much did you or did you find it was good to know about, let's say, just anatomy in terms of structure and, um, you know, the, the skull and the facial bones and things like that to for your your cheeks and your nose and whatever. Did you have to ever get into any of that or, or learn any of that? Yeah, that I mean, just... a lot of material was provided. A lot of it was okay. self-taught. But like one of the parts of like doing the whole testing process is like all the proportions of the face. And like most of the time, I would say 95 percent of the time, everybody's faces are about the same with proportions. It's just all the different elements you have to change. And then okay. when you when you look when you look at like a photo of somebody that's really decomposed, like I'll give you an example. I had a person that was um, they were murdered and burned alive in a house and okay. putting back together is you just look for all the little pieces and all the little clues and you look at the different angles and and slowly just imagine what the person is and just work it over and over again as a drawing and put them back together and you just come out you, you do the best you can it's sometimes it's a shot in the dark but it's you have to take it that's incredible now do you have a do we have a picture is that one of the pictures you sent or no no, we have that sketch? no. okay okay no. um yeah. All right. Well, do you want to tell me about, tell us all about some, uh, I guess, some of the more groundbreaking or fulfilling or, you know, some of the highlights, the things that stick out to you when you look back on your time doing that? Um, yeah, no, there was um, a lot of different cases. What type of flavor you want to look for? That's a good way to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Let's do that. Like if you have, uh, if we have some of the pictures, uh, guys, we have a lot of pictures actually he provided. And again, we'll, Matt Render, if you want to go to his Instagram and you can see a lot of examples of his work there. Uh, but for tonight, do you do you have any any of the ones that you gave me? Were they pictures of victims that were identified? If you have that one picture, it's like a collage. There's a couple. Josh, you listening? Yeah, and there's a couple of cases in there. So this is like a nice smattering of different cases and everything. Um, what do you call it? In the um, so in the bottom. Okay, so it, towards the bottom in the middle, the New York Post article says dead woman, dead women found uh, duct taped may have been lovers uh, in suicide pack. <clears throat> So that was a big case. I think it was 2016. Whoa, so, were they in a car? No, they okay. um, they were bound. So it was funny, funny, funny story. I'm in a, I'm in an office, an offsite office. Me, just one detective, no supervision at all. <laughs> so we're like, the other lieutenant's definitely gonna call and like start sneaking up and making sure we're you know we're not doing anything mischievous. And yo, within like 60 seconds, he called. I was like, oh my god. So um. What I do, I call him and he's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, they found these two bodies and there were two women. They washed up, they're duct taped. Their shoes are duct taped to their feet and they're duct taped together. And Holy we, think cow. It's, we think it's like uh, maybe a gang related, maybe M13 murder. 
They're like, you need to come to Manhattan. I was in Queens. Like, you have to drive to Manhattan. Go down. They pulled them out of the rocks. We're on the water now. Come there. Take a look. And you, you need to do a reconstruction. Because we have no clue who they are. There's no identification, no IDs, anything like that. So, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But, um, so I, I drive in the car. <clears throat> I go there. And they're like, yo, I'm sorry. The bodies got removed. They went to the morgue. Go to the 2-0 precinct. If you go there, we're going to go in the detective squad. You get, they took a ton of photos. If the photos are good, do the sketch from that. If they're not, you got to go to the morgue and draw them. I'm like, all right, cool. I go in there. They had every picture, every angle, a million beautiful photos. <clears throat> I could totally do it. So I go back. I got to work. So I started doing the drawings and stuff. And the detective's like, when can you have these done? I'm like, 11 o'clock. So boom, he's like, perfect. 11 o'clock, they're on the news. So that's the thing, too, is like they need to get the word out there. You know, they don't, and you can't right. show, you, can, you have no clue who these people are. They want to get an image out there. So everyone out there is checking their loved ones and their families to see if they're missing. And, you know, just the race, race against the clock, you know, in case, you know, it's a murder. These guys, you know, they'll be able to figure it out quick before they're in the wind. So very big deal to get it done fast. So I'm working on the case where boom, it's out there. It's all over the media and everybody's looking. So what ends up happening is they weren't Spanish. They were actually Middle Eastern. They were from Saudi Arabia. Okay. So the family saw that, saw the pictures on TV and was like, you know, those are our daughters. They went missing. So the story, as far as I know, the backstory was they were Saudi Arabian nationals. They were applying for citizenship. So they didn't want to go back to back home. They got denied. So they both, the sisters both just came up with a suicide pact. So they took their credit cards. They traveled up from Virginia all the way up the East Coast to New York. And like once they ran out of money, they were going to uh, commit suicide. So that's what they did. They duct taped themselves together and um, jumped in. So they wouldn't float away, I guess. And then they committed suicide. There was no trauma. There was like there was nothing, you know. So, um, you know, that's a sad case, unfortunately. But it, it, you know, the sketches getting out there you know got people involved and uh they were able to figure it out really quickly you know very tragic oh my gosh well yeah now the the other side of me now aside from the art just wants to talk about that case because that's i would just think that's so rare not only is it suicide pact and it's did their parents and i'm taking it a little sideways now but did their parents application get denied as well like were they all four going to be traveling back home no i think as far as i know they were all going back and they didn't want to go back they just they wanted to stay back in america so you know it is what it is but um really really tragic yeah wow okay so out of the ones i'm going to take a look myself at some of the ones that you sent me here um there was one with the guy actually i think when you were in an interview and they talked about it or maybe it was just maybe i saw a news interview or a news article about it um but the man who like a two, maybe it was like a two-year-old. Like the man was the sketch, mm. and it was his oh. son. Maybe was he a uh, Turkish or he fled to Turkey? Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a horrible one. So like that. See, like sometimes I do sketches and they get pulled real quick. Like that okay. one was out for like very quickly, and then the mom came forward and they just they they shut it down. But yeah, that was um, you know, like I'm in my office just hanging out and the phone rings. That's it's, it's kind of like being a firefighter, just waiting for the next emergency. Okay. And um, so they called up and they're like, an infant just washed up. Like, so they send me the, the pictures, you know, um, no trauma or anything like that. And they're like, we need to, we need to get this picture out there immediately. So I do the drawing and everything like that. So the drawing gets out there. The mom sees it. So the, the as far as I remember and recall from it, the, um, the mother, she, she had, she was really, the boyfriend was, you know, a POS and um, yeah, yeah, took, yeah. Took, took the child for the weekend and then um, threw, threw, threw the baby in the river and then somebody, a passerby saw the baby pop up. So they figured out exactly who it was and everything. And he was actually jumped on a plane and flew to Thailand. So they figured it out and they were, wait, they were waiting there for him in Thailand and they extradited him back. So, but it's, it's really tragic. I was actually researching it like, like, like uh, a couple months ago, looking up to see if he ever got arrested. They only charged him with um, disposing of a human. Uh, really? Human so he yeah. wasn't charged with the murder? <laughs> no. So they found security camera footage of him with a, with a uh, book bag walking to the water's edge. So they think that the baby died some way in his apartment, you know, somewhere yeah. off, off scene. And then he brought in the baby. Dumped in there. it. Well, yeah. Yeah, but as far as I know, he had he hadn't been charged with the with the homicide of it yet. 
really, really tragic case. Unfortunately, I did a lot of baby cases. It's really, uh-huh. it's really bad. So that's what I was going to say. So your sketch was of the baby, right? To identify the yeah. baby? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. To make it, okay. you know, applicable for uh, putting on TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's another side, guys, who's listening. Like we, <clears throat> I think when we see a sketch, often, like I said earlier, we attribute it to, or we often liken it to it being the suspect often, you know, that's where our head goes. Like we were touching on a minute ago, it's to identify victims a lot of times, but then to Matt's point just now, sometimes it's not just because to identify, but it's because the, you know, we we need to identify them, but we can't show what what's really there. So to um, make it nice and pretty it up for uh, public consumption, if you will, so that they can be identified. There's so many facets to this work. You know, it's not just uh, drawing a picture. Let me ask you this though. Did you ever see the famous case down in, um, I think it was Alabama, um, when they saw a leprechaun, did you see that sketch? No, no, I think, oh, I think, I think, I, I think I might have. It's good. It's real good. Uh, Josh, maybe while we're talking, you can pull up <laughs> the news story um, from when they saw the, the leprechaun. <clears throat> um, I just didn't know if you were influenced by that work or not. No, you know, no. I just want to get, get that out there. It's, it's uh, awesome. Uh, all right. So yeah, there it is. <laughs> That's awesome. There's a, there's a lot of funny ones. There's that one that's really wacky that was done by a kid. And it looks just like the bad guy, even though it's only like seven lines. It's pretty, uh, pretty. Impressive. I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. not seen that. That's amazing. All right. Do you? I mean, would you say that there's a case that you know, and, and maybe you've already touched on it, but that fulfilled you in a, in a different kind of way, or that maybe surprised you uh, by how much it touched you differently than others? Um, I mean, I mean, they all they all kind of had the same weight. The one thing that was nice, it was like, as, as right before I was retiring, I had a case I worked on, I think like two years it came, it took to come to fruition. But, um, and I talked about it on several other shows, but it's just really cool. It was the cold case from uh, the homicide from 1976. Okay. <clears throat> so. Do we have this me. one real quick? I think it's, um, let me look it up. Uh, yeah, it see is. what you texted me. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. New York City man pleads guilty to 1990s. 76 uh cold case killing a world war one veteran if you look that up you'll find like a ton of ton of stuff on it they're actually gonna okay, probably do a, um, they're probably gonna do a documentary on it it's like uh, okay it's pretty, warm, pretty wild case so but um so I'll, I'll give you i'll give you my uh my part in the case it's got a lot of different things um i believe in 2019 the bulls are rolling on this case a woman she goes to a therapist and she has she's like oh my god i'm on the couch she, she has a recollection of her ex um no her, her yeah her ex stepdad um came home and went back in 1976 and he's like you need to help me do that you know get rid of this stuff and she gets up she was young at the time or whatever she gets up and it's two blasted garbage bags with with body parts in it and he's like help me bury it in the backyard so she buried helps dig and they bury it in the backyard so the the therapist is like you got to tell the cops so she she goes out she finds the she calls up the local police squad, gets a guy on the phone, awesome detective guy I, I worked with and uh, went to homicide school with aces. Like everybody okay. along this path of this case is like on firing on all cylinders. Okay. So he gets the he gets the case and he's like, How did you know there was like a body in there? And she's like, Oh, a bone punctured through the plastic bag and stabbed me in the leg. Like, oh. So they How find old out was the she a- at the time. I'm sorry, it doesn't I matter, actually, but I'm I don't but she was a child. Remember. Yeah, she was young. She was young. Ooh. And so, and she's like, you know, my stepdad at the time was a scumbag. So, so they find the house, new owners. They're like, Hey, you know, there's a possibility. There might be something back there. They get the warrant. They do it. The family's very cooperative. They go back there with a cadaver dog, dog sits. There's a body back there. So supposedly there was two bags. One bag had like most of the body in it. And like another bag had like the head in it. The one small bag was supposedly in the left corner. And they see there's a shed there. So they dig okay. the whole back. They dig the whole backyard up. So the bag in the corner was gone. It must have got removed when they were building a shed, whatever. You know, somebody took this guy's bag and just you know threw it out. But they find the torso in the um, in the center. You know that picture you just saw. So they get the torso. They get the bones. They do a DNA test, and um, through familiar DNA, they find um, five relatives that are scattered throughout the country. Okay. And the, and the relatives are all like, "Oh, our uncle." He was like, he was a kind of like uh, a uh, kind of a crazy guy and uh, kept to himself. You know, he's a little on the spectrum. He'd wander around. 
It's like he went missing in 1976. So they're like, oh, it's possibly him. So they they call me up and they're like, we have relatives. And all the relatives at the time, right, at, in modern time, like I think I did the case in 21, 20, were, mm-hmm. in their, were in their 70s and 80s. So approximately. So they find, And he was in his 80s when he got murdered. So the, they, the first part is the detectives are like, can you take these photos of the relatives, these five photos, and can you take the DNA report? and the missing report and put it together and make a face. And I'm like, absolutely. Like, I have no clue, you know, like, so what I do, I'm like, but like, You're right I, on take that. It, I take it like a, you know, I never say no to anybody. Like I'm doing everything I can, but you break it down to manageable chunks and you begin, you know, the, the process of problem solving the whole thing. So I look at the family members, they all have the same kind of eyebrows, nose, cheeks. So I do that. I look at the missing report. He was, he was very thin. I forget how much he weighed. So he's very gaunt. You know, like he had his hair a certain way, he had glasses, this and that. You know, I started looking at researching glasses from the 70s, all these pieces I throw together. And then I did, uh, on top of that, I did a ton of other, um, you know, maybe he had a beard that day, maybe he had this, maybe that, a haircut, maybe he had it shaved, maybe, you know, like all different types of stuff. Okay. So I did like, I, I did about 30 drawings. I do a conference call with Denise and she's like, that one looks the closest. Not 100%, but it's close. I'm like, all right. So I did all that work, right? So the next day, a relative finds from 1918 a, a picture of him in his uniform, in his World War One uniform. So this is like the only photo because that was the reason why they wanted me to do the drawing is because they never had photos of him. Right, right, a, right. I believe she was the last one to talk to him a year before she um, before he went missing. Before, <clears throat> so they put the sketch out there. They start. They start finding witnesses from all over the place and all over the country. Like they were traveling everywhere to talk to everybody. And um, they ended up finding out that he, he used to carry lots of money around his pocket, sometimes like $2,000. And this is in the mid seventies. It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it came down to that. He, he would frequent a barber shop and the guy cutting uh, one of the barbers invited him in after hours, you know, closed the sore up, slit his throat. And um, disposed of the body, took the money, and and brought the body. Wait, home that's a Broadway backyard. play. Yeah, uh, Sweeney Todd. <laughs> I said that another show, and uh, nobody knew nobody knew the reference. I, like, oh, I couldn't like, I couldn't place it. I couldn't say I couldn't remember yeah. the name, but I was like, hold up, there's another murderous barber. Yeah. Holy cow! Okay, so we're um, so guys, if you're just listening, we will put all of these back up on Instagram, so you'll be able to see them again. They're on Matt's Instagram on Matt Render. Um, but we have it up here on the the screen, the rendering versus the real photo of the gentleman here. Uh, and he's zooming in a little bit. Oh my gosh, these ears! I'm looking at the grin. That's incredible, yeah. Matt. Yeah. So yeah, that's um. That well, it's was, like you, you drew know. that. Like the picture is of him much younger than the rendering you made. Of course, you made it for when he went missing. Yeah. But it's his. It's the same face. It's like his yeah. his old young face. You know, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. It's really, also really tragic too. Like the more you, you know, said, oh, you know, well, he, he had a whole life, sure. he had a whole life, you know, and I'm like drawing him. You know, so I, you know, so I, I know, I know, but, but really. it is incredible because it made, I mean, gosh. So, yeah. So they arrested the guy. The bad guy was like in his seventies, I think 75. They brought him in. He was fighting it, fighting it. And we were ready to go to court. It was a big thing. I went in, you know, prepped for the testimony with the DA's office. And at the last mm-hmm. second, he, he pled guilty. He's like, I don't want this crap in the media. I don't want my family to see it. I'm just going to go to jail. And uh, he's in prison. So that was literally as I walked out the door in my career. So I was like, I was very happy to have that little, that little success. And everybody, everybody involved with that case was uh, high fives everywhere. Really good. You know, so many cold cases, just nothing, nothing happens, you know, and they're trying, you know, they rotate through them, but very rarely do a lot of them, you know, see the light and, uh, that one you know justice for that poor gentleman that was murdered you know a bunch of years ago wow i mean that's incredible did you now have you you kind of touched on this a minute ago but i don't know if it's something that you've concentrated on or does this take a different type of uh training or whatever but like with the phenotyping so now that we are utilizing the genealogy results to start to be able to form a physical profile on someone is that something that you would have done at that time if that's what was being used or is that kind of a whole separate thing? Did you, did I use the DNA report to do it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, not necessarily his, but just in general, was that, I don't know if that was going on as much as it is now when you were still doing it. Like I I can't remember when you retired, when did you retire? 
uh, December, December 31st. Oh, just hot recently. Off, yeah, okay. hot, off the, hot off the press. Hot off yeah. the press. Well, welcome <laughs> to retirement. No, thank you so much. Yeah, no, it was the, the DNA report was offered to me in the very early stages of the case, and I used it. You know, I, I looked down the list, but it only tells you so much. That's so that's what I was going to say, not necessarily just for that case in particular, but did you find that that was something that you did utilize? Um, um, yeah, it was it was probably an equal part, you know. Okay. The family members. It was funny, though, because, like, the family. So I had five, initially I had five photographs of the family members, and they all looked the same, you know. So, like, instantly that's, right. thing, you know, like, that they're all related. You know, they would have... You know, he had a prominent nose as way his eyebrows were. So so we've talked about it on the um, show a lot before about like, you know, different ways people are caught or different ways victims are identified. And so in using like the phenotyping now that I guess I'm saying it because it seems to be a little bit more prevalent now yeah. that's being utilized more often. Right. So what kinds of things does does that give you like to build a drawing off of? And I understand what you mean. It's the totality of it. If you have family members or other witness statements, you're not using just one thing. But when it comes to that, what are you getting out of that report that helps you know what to I'm start with? I'm trying to remember it, but um, I believe it was weight. I believe it was, um, what do you call it? Um, it was, you know, race, age. I'm trying to remember. I, I'm, it's, okay. I'm trying to remember some of the details. Yeah. I think but, it um, might even get into like coloring, right? Like um, we yeah. said race, but even like maybe potentially like hair and eye color type type of yeah. stuff. So, but um, also too, like sometimes like, you, like I've done skeleton reconstructions too. And like the okay. thing with that too is, you know, somebody that is a skeleton could be a hundred pounds or 300 pounds. So like sometimes, right. you know, like it's, a, it's, a, there's some, there is some guessing involved, involved in it, you know? So it's like a really successful sketch, like on a cold case like that is there's a, you know, there's a little bit of luck on, you know, unfortunately involved in it. So, Man. Well, yeah. and skill, I mean, don't discount the skill yeah. portion. Did you, did you find that, um, if you even thought about it this way, but I mean, did you consider yourself to feel like you were like continuing like proactive police work when you were on that side of things? Like, did it feel, uh, I guess just like different, right? I, don't, I, I can't imagine what it would feel like to be, you didn't just come in there as an artist. Like you had worked these cases prior. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? To be on both sides of it, I feel like would be pretty interesting, right? Yeah. It, it you know, it was different. Like, you know, I go from the military, like Iraq, running and gunning and stuff, and then being a cop on the street, running around chasing people and all that stuff. And then, like, coming to an office job, you know? Right. But um, it, it, it's part of this the really beautiful system that the NYPD has is there's so many units that are looking for talent, you know? And it was cool that I had a talent in the back of my, my back pocket I never in a million years thought I would use. They saw it. You know, I, t I tried out, I t I, you know. I was squared away I, and, and I was fortunate to get picked up. And I was able to you take that talent and plug it in and utilize it to help empower the department and, for, and, and help the detective bureau, you know? And, yeah. Um, that's incredible. Really, re really rewarding, you know, but it also too, like as a cop, as a cop on the street, I would have never in a million years been had my fingers in any of these cases, you know, and now, now I was gotcha. being actively involved, you know, being the guy that they call. So gotcha. very fortunate, very rewarding. Well, yeah. And just the way you touched on earlier, I mean, the way it all worked out with you coming back from, um, you know, like being in the army and then literally coming to you, you know, coming out to where you guys were being going to Georgia from New York, yeah. you know, and hand these people like recruiting to go back up there and then uh, uh, to become the cop and then using the art that you already had to then do this that, you know, it's, it's really incredible how it all fell into place, I feel like. And it sounds like it was for good reason, because it sounds like you did. Uh, you contributed a ton. Um, what's this one here that you sent? <laughs> I'm getting texts that say leprechaun say woo. <laughs> uh, that was a great, I encourage everyone to go back and listen to that news article if you have not yet before. Okay. I'll let Josh put it up. We don't, I'm just going to show it on here so that you can start to talk about it. So you'll know who I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. So that was a cool case. And, um, another, another, Another one, this one or the other one? Um, one? There's uh, Josh, go to the one right after that, I believe. Okay, that one. So that was a, that was great because I was yes, like, this one. I was like brand new in the unit. I think I was there for like a year. So oh, really? Yeah. So I was really and that he's a bad dude that uh, the perp. But um, what had happened was it was like and that was like a chair, like a feather in the department's hat, which was nice. There was it was a rash of just random slashings going on in New York City. I think I'm trying to remember the number. It was probably in the 30s, 
just oh wow ran, random people walking the street people walking up and slashing their faces you know like every walk oh, of gosh. life young old elderly it didn't matter like people were just getting slashed so and it's it's so hard to combat just random strangers as well you know okay so, right so that case was i get a call there's um what do you, uh, an elderly woman in Brooklyn, she was like walking and a man runs up behind her with a mask and slashes her neck with a, with a, um, what do you call it? With a uh, large kitchen knife. And they were like, she was a heavy set woman, which like saved her. Like she, she had like a little bit of weight in okay. her neck. She, so she almost, she almost died. So the bad guy takes off running with the mask. She never even saw him runs down the street. As he's running down the street, the mask flies off of him. And he throws the knife and a, and a gentleman selling textbooks at a high school looks, sees him, remembers everything about him. So they bring him in. He sits down and he's like, describes him. He's like, he looks like this. He looks like that. He has the hair of, of the Baltimore Ravens running back. He has, you know, he named everything. And that's Dang. another thing. That's another thing too. Like the, the, the best, the good witness, a really good witness, you're going to have a really good sketch. So do you know that on a side note, when they're talking to you, can you feel like it's going to be a good witness when they are not just their descriptors, but like almost their um, uh, blurting? Just like I would imagine that if you remember all these things, you're just saying all of it very, very quickly. Right. Would that be? Yeah. Yeah. You could you could tell the, you know, the intensity. We do mm -hmm. another thing, too. I always ask, like, um, what do you call it? I'm like, does they look like a celebrity? And some people are like, oh, yeah, it looks like this guy or that guy. You know, okay. I I had one case when they were like, this is fun. They're like, this uh, a girl was almost kidnapped. She was, a guy tried to stuff her in a trunk and she fought like hell and got him off and he ended up running away. And she's like, I'm like, she looks like a celebrity. And she's like, he looks like Eddie Murphy. I was like, whoa, like coming to America, Eddie Murphy? Or like Walt Disney washed up, haunted <laughs> house, like, Eddie Murphy. And she's like, no, no. <laughs> so she's like, no, no, older, older Eddie Murphy. And that's what the guy ended up looking like. So going back to that case, I do uh -huh. the sketch. I do the sketch, and um, they put it out there and everything like that, and they figured exactly who it was, and then they they lined it up. And um, I get a phone call. They're like, "Yo, the chief's upstairs. He's doing cartwheels. He wants yeah, you." Yeah, zoom in on here. that if you can, Josh. I want so, everybody to see it. Um, so I'm not able to zoom in. Sorry, that's incredible. <laughs> we'll put it on IG, but um, it is just yeah. uh, uncanny. So he got that's wild. he got he got charged with attempted murder and um, hate crime. And um, so, and the reason and that sketch blew up even more was there was a, a terrorist attack in France. So they had this giant press conference about with the mayor, the police commissioner, all the chiefs and everything about the attack. And everybody was kind of, you know, listening to all the reporters. And then they brought up the slashing. So everybody, you know, perks up because that was going on in Manhattan. And uh, the chief is like, you know, you know, my sketch artists are really good. Check this out. It's the last guy we just caught. And everybody's like, oh, so then we started getting the phone calls. I did a bunch of media on that case. But um, it, it was it showed that the department was com combating the problem that was happening. Right. But, um, yeah. What, I'm just. You said you'd been there about a year when that one happened. Yeah. So it was not a COVID mask. It was just a mask mask that he was wearing. Oh yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was pre pre the apocalypse. You know, did that? What did that look like in your world? Did you did you? I mean, that's another yeah. thing too. I mean. Yeah. So um, we did have a couple masks cases come through. And you just, we did, we did the best we could, you know? Um, yeah. You know, there was a couple I did and like, I just tried to, you know, you just work with the victim. It's really hard because like the major yeah. features I use is like eyes, nose, lips, shape of the face. And most of that's covered. We had, we had a couple bad guys that did stuff and their, their masks were down around their, you know, their chin. So we just, you know, pushed them together. But I had one case where I did a mask and, and you only could see was the eyes, the haircut and the and the woman was like, that's him. That's him. So like, hopefully, okay. you know, hopefully it helped out, but you just, you know, you do the best you can. I'm still seeing around town the, um, the chin hammocks. I'm not sure. I don't, <laughs> no one's explained that one to me, but it's uh, yeah, it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, wow. That's, that's super cool. Um, so then, okay. So now you're into retirement and you said you got some travels and things coming up, like living the dream, doing the yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, what, so what's up? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your shop, about your shop on Etsy <laughs> and, and what we can what we can find there? So, yeah. So I would say back in 2018, I just I had a couple of friends that are like, you know, Instagram's a really good platform. You should put your artwork there because I, I always did my side artwork. I always did like like a pop sci fi, do like military mm -hmm. law enforcement art. And, um, you know, it was another outlet for me. 
so I, I still I can't I was like oh let me come up with like a brand like I had an alias you know because I never knew it was gonna be anything and then I was like oh let me just make a brand that I can use an umbrella to mm-hmm. merchandise so I could sell my art prints and do t-shirts and all different types of stuff like that so I came out with Battle Tribe and um it caught on and um it's just been firing on all cylinders and I just branched into so much different stuff so and cool. um really cool and it's cool you know and it has a little bit of validity because of my background everyone's like oh he's a veteran law enforcement you know yeah josh if you'll while we're talking if you'll throw up one of like the newer obviously something that's not um a sketch of yeah so we can kind (laughs) of circulate some of these and uh show some of his work now that he's selling so you've got what posters t-shirts uh magnet stickers yeah whatever you guys want you know um so then yeah so it just keeps growing and growing so like um but I've been able to work with different companies, which has been very cool and like different veteran organizations and done different charity. Like, like the one picture you had of the um, ESU police officers, the SWAT guys from NYPD. Uh-huh. So this is artwork. It's actually coming to Kickstarter next month, September 1st. I did a whole line of um, playing cards, you know, like Ace King yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of law enforcement first responders. So I did everything from like, uh, you know, SWAT, you know, EMTs, pararescue, Coast Guard, you know, canine handlers. I, I, so that was a whole project oh, that's with, cool. with another company. So, you know, look for that'll be on um, Kickstarter with Quick Draw Company. And then I just did a collaboration with Oakley Sunglasses, did stuff for the 4th of July line. They did some limited edition sunglasses, you know, with the Battle Tribe okay. logo. And um, just oh, keeps going on. By the way, this is one of my favorites, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> I like this one. He's, yeah, got a parachute. he's got a parachute. He's going to survive the guy. So dope. Yeah, I love that. Uh, people are asking, they're saying like, yo, that's a sick Star, War- uh, sick Star Wars drawing. Someone else said, uh, did, that one's dope too. Did, um, has anyone asked you to draw them like French girls? Uh, there's, a of, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of chatter going on. It's funny. <laughs> but, no. uh, but yeah, I, yeah, no, and that's, I've used it as I do everything. So, uh, you know, like um, I do tactical Star Wars art. People really dig. I also um, like, but I, I had all these different projects and ideas and it's just been exciting to do. Like I wanted to write a children's book and I had this idea about Christmas trees. So me and my wife, she co- you know, wrote it. I just threw something on paper and she made it and I did all the illustrations. So like that's on Amazon and available in Barnes and Nobles now. It's, um, oh, that's what's Christmas- it called? Where, where do all the Christmas trees go? Oh, super yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but that was just like, and it's so funny because everything's kind of like murder, death, mayhem. And then I have this Christmas tree book, you know, it was just some, a project that I wanted to do. And um, I got to work on some um, album covers for some bands. One of my friends. Okay. Band, now uh, you're speaking Sil- my language. Yeah. So silence and light. They just had a new album drop. Oh yeah. On, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I worked on their album cover. So yeah, be I think they a- were here in Wilmington recently. Actually. Yeah. Well, awesome. Great guys. Um, you had friends of them for a while and I uh, was able to help out on that. That is so cool. So what do you think you will now go sit in a courtroom and sketch court cases? <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know anything about that. And I actually researched it one day. I was doing a little, research is a little Google, right? So uh-huh. um, there's, yeah, there's, I, there's places where they won't let, you know, photographers in. So they have the sketch. They have people that go in there and sketch them. But I, it's like a very tight knit community from as far as I can read up on. And um, I have no idea how I even get in there. But yeah. um, it's definitely definitely an interesting uh, career that some people do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's different. Um, so you guys, this is again, it's Matt Render. That's how you're going to find him at least on it's Matt Klein, but Matt Render on Instagram. And if you go to Etsy, uh, which I encourage you to do so, Battle Tribe is his uh, company, and we'll put the links up to all of that stuff. Again, it. get your t-shirts and your uh yeah. <laughs> whatever i think pretty much anything right like whatever you yeah, want yeah, for commission pieces do you do commission pieces yeah. as well not as much now because okay. it's just different i just swamped but um but you know reach out and we can always talk yeah for That's sure um well man is there anything we didn't cover that you would like to cover no it's pretty much it just be on the lookout there's some really cool cool stuff coming out you know i have like, like all these different projects if you Social media is the greatest, and if you want right. to reach out to me, and also too, like I, I try to do it every Thursday. I try to do a throwback Thursday. I try to do a case, so I'll I'll write a little yep. short story about a case, and I'll throw up some you know video footage and like you know news conference stuff, and because um, it, it is remarkable, like all those sketches, like they all have a story, you know how yeah. wild they are, you know, and um. Well, I do love that about your post, Um, guys. If you follow him, you'll see what I mean. But he's right; he does he does do a throwback Thursday every week, 
And um, and don't you say what is it? Every sketch, every every whatever has a story. What is it? Every. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm because sure somebody else said that. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, uh, you know, there's it does. It works. It's a good tagline. But there's, you know, there's reverence to be had. You know, we we're talking about the talent here and, and those kinds of things, which is true. But the talent is what is what's closing these cases like this. And so it's super interesting. One last bit. Uh, you mentioned earlier and we kind of skimmed over it, but your father was uh, an artist. Did you say for Disney? Is that right? Yeah. So back in the um, back in the 80s, he worked for a big advertising firm. and He did a lot of commercials from the 80s. He did like Honey Nut Bee, Cheerios. He did like Care Bears. Really? He did all these different things. Yep. And then as he got out, he started freelancing. He started working for Disney. He worked for Don Bluth, Warner Brothers. And did wow. a lot of different cartoons and stuff. And then he ended up doing, he was in the, back in the day, like the mid 90s to late 90s, uh, like the Warner Brothers Studio Store. He used to work in the Time Warner Building and did mer- design merchandise and everything like that. And now he, he you know, now he does, um, what is it called? Uh, he gets old animation cells and repairs them that have been damaged, like Disney cells, like um, it restores them. And he's done That's... some amazing work, but, and he's still, you know, drawing it up. Cranking but, um, it out, huh? So when you were a that. kid, that's what I was going to say. So when you were a kid, you're sitting around. It sounds like a kid's dream. Like your dad's drawing this fun stuff that yeah. when you're little, yeah. That's super, so I imagine he's super proud of you and yeah. uh, how you've taken art, right? Yeah. Yep. He was, he's that's like, incredible. man, you, you went the roundabout way to uh, become an artist, but you made it. <laughs> you know, like, but you got there, nonetheless. Nah, yeah, that's <laughs> well, that's awesome. Matt, I really, really appreciate you hopping on here with us. And uh, like I said, we'll put everything on Andrea up late on Instagram uh, to link back to you. Again, guys, go follow him, Matt Render, M-A-T-T-R-E-N-D-A-R on Instagram. And uh, so I'll let you go on and uh, close out and then we'll kind of close up shop here. But uh, yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It's a complete pleasure. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. All right. Josh, what do you think about that? I get to Google all kinds of new stuff today. He's a very talented artist. Just looking yeah. at some of the stuff. And then the like the last one that we he was talking about, the the guy the, you had the picture up there, the how close. Oh my! And he said he was new then. I mean, he wasn't a new artist, but he was a new composite artist, right? And the pressure that must be had on your shoulders to to do it like that is incredible. I can only. I think it's probably that would probably be an interesting one to like to to talk about like the PTSD that would come with that because it's different than like a dispatcher's even view because the dispatcher you're going to hear things and you don't get a conclusion but as the artist you're going to maybe see things and you might not be able to get the same conclusions as you might get the, right. get the same wrap up that you'll get and i just think that so. the more we talk about things like this and like so with we with com center on thursday night looking at it from the dispatcher perspective and then the cases that we talk about here um and then bringing in the idea of the sketch artist as well, you know, I think it really shines light on the fact that there are so many pieces of the puzzle when it comes to interacting with human beings and how many different people are seeing different effects from the bad things that can happen in this world, you know, and it's not, it's not just the cops. It's not just the dispatchers. It's not just the artists and the people at the hospital. And, you know, it's just so many people's lives are touched um, outside of the people who were victims or, or their families, you know, and, it, and it's very interesting. And like you said to that piece, uh, like with Matt specifically just then, you know, the idea of staring, it's different when it's a suspect and you're going off a witness statement, but when you're staring at, uh, you know, a, a lot of us have seen dead, dead babies, dead, dead people, but to have to stare at it for hours on end at pictures and get certain angles to be able to recreate this drawing, you know, is something that I think a lot of people don't, you know, don't think about because you would you wouldn't consider that portion of it. Um, yep. Wow. Like so yeah, too, we, just not, not only being able to draw, but being able to, to talk with people because it's another ta- that that's another. I thought that was a great point that, he made. Mm-hmm. That that there are a lot of people that can draw extra, exceptionally well, and they're able to recreate, but just the ability to talk with someone and have that same right. compassion to to know exactly what information you need to get out of them to recreate what they need to, and all at the same time. You're Exhibit obviously you're working off of needed. this. There's something. There's there's an exigent circumstance. There's some reason why we were trying to get this information right. out. It's it it's one of those. It's I don't I 
I, I can't put myself in that position. I like dispatch. I couldn't put myself in some of those positions. I just, I don't know how I, I think I would just claim up. I don't know that I'd be able to respond the same way. Yeah. Some of those other people. That's are very interesting. I thought, I thought that was a yeah. great point he made that not only is the artistry important, but the, you know, the, uh, the conversation skills as well. But well guys, uh, definitely thank you guys. Everybody's saying great show. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so glad you guys tuned in and I always love talking to you guys every single week. Uh, moving forward, uh, this is, uh, things are gonna be a little bit different. Uh, I'm still going to be Andrea played and you can find me wherever you listen to your stuff. And I hope that you'll continue to watch failure to stop and, and blow them up and, and all the success that they very well deserve. Uh, and I hope you also listen to my show as well, but moving forward, uh, sometimes, uh, professional decisions are not necessarily what you would expect. And, uh, you find yourself uh, figuring out the next step. And so I'm excited because my next step will continue to be uh, true crime shows, just what you've seen, all the same stuff, still definitely want to interact with you guys. And we'll figure out all the details moving forward. But um, there's not really going to be much time off. I'll be hopefully getting a show out next week as well. But uh, I do look forward to hopefully collaborating with Drew and John and Josh, if you'll have me at some point. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the new thing. We'll talk all about it. Definitely. Uh, DM me with any questions or whatever, uh, but I'm not going away. I'll just be kind of in a, in a different spot now. So, uh, but love you guys. And this past year has been great. And I hope to continue to get more friends in with the true crime scene and, uh, and move forward from that. So, uh, so I guess signing off on uh, true crime Tuesday, I'm Andrea Uplate and this is Josh with dead leg media. And we hope that you guys have a great night. Oh, Oh, good night, y'all.